Our second reading today comes to us from the book of Genesis, and it is part of a familiar story, God's covenant with Abraham. The story of God's covenant with Abraham, it spans several chapters of the book of Genesis, and while I won't uh, go through all the details, it is helpful to be aware of some of them, because our passage today is actually the second story that tells of God's desire for the family line of Abraham and Sarah to grow for generations to come. You see, back in chapter 12, God calls Abraham, seemingly out of the blue, to leave his homeland and kin and go to a land that he has never seen. Then God makes a threefold promise to Abraham, or Abram, the name given to him at birth, saying, one, that Abraham will have many descendants, that he will be a great nation. Two, that Abraham and his descendants will inherit the land of Canaan. And three, that they will be a blessing to the whole world. Now, the glaring problem with this covenant was that Abraham and Sarah were not able to have children. So out of a desire to be blessed by God, they devised a plan of their own to remedy the problem identified in point one of the covenant, that Abraham would have many descendants. Abraham and Sarah, they decided that one of Sarah's servants, Hagar, would bear a child for Abraham, and Sarah would adopt it as her own, and from this child, Ishmael, the great nation would be born. But God did not make the covenant with Abraham, expecting Abraham to be the problem solver and make it happen. So God stepped in and offered some more specificity about the covenant in regards to the generations to come. In chapter 17, God says to Abraham, As for Sarai, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. And at the very thought of this, Abraham falls on his face laughing. In Hebrew, the word is tzahak. When he finally composes himself, Abraham reminds God that they've already solved this problem. Oh, that Ishmael might live in your sight. Again, Abraham wondering how he, as a 100-year-old man, and Sarah, as a 90-year-old woman, might have a child. is a little slow on the uptake that God is making the covenant with Abraham, not the other way around. So, clarifying even further, God tells Abraham that God will enable Sarah to have a child. And the child will be named Isaac, which means he laughs, Yitzhak. Then God goes on to promise that Ishmael will become the father of a great nation too, but that God's covenant will be with Isaac. So by the time we come to our text for this morning, we've already heard the story once. But there's a significant difference. There are significant differences between the stories proclaiming God's covenant with Abraham. And I encourage us all to listen intently for what's unique in our text today and consider why it might be important. So let's get to it. Let's turn to the book of Genesis. I think now we finally have pew Bibles, because we didn't have them over in the other room. But if you've got a pew Bible, grab it. Uh, Open to the book of Genesis, chapter 18, verses 1 through 15. And let us listen for God's word. Let us pray. God of laughter, God of promise, make known to us your love through your word. 
Reveal to us the wisdom of your heart, the joy of your grace, the promise of your presence. Amen. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat by the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to Abraham, Where is your wife, Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then... One said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent entrance behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. It had ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. I love that phrase. It ceased to to be with Sarah after the manner of women. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why why, why did Sarah laugh? Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? At set time, I will return to you in due season, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied saying, I did not laugh. I did not laugh. For she was afraid. And the man said, oh, yes, you did. (laughs) This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's a good story, huh? It's a funny story. It's a good story. The scene opens with Abraham sitting by an oak at the entrance of his tent, and as he looks up to the bright and sunny day, he saw three men standing in the shade of the trees beside him. Abraham immediately went out to the men and welcomed them warmly. In fact, he not only greeted them with politeness, but Abraham offered the guests hospitality. Rather than remain by his tent entrance wondering who these men were and crafting stories for them, making assumptions about where they came from and where they were heading to, Abraham instead approached them and asked them if they would stay a while. Even if only while the sun is still high in the sky, Abraham says to the travelers, please stay a while, rest, relax, take a break from your journey here in the shade of the trees, and while you rest, please take a drink of water. Eat a little food that will keep you strong, nourished for wherever you're heading to next. And when the travelers agreed to stay and rest, Abraham lived into his offer of hospitality. He returned to the tent. 
He recruited Sarah to make some cakes for the guests. He went to his herd. He picked the choice calf to be prepared, and then he brought out a little bit of milk and curds and stayed near the travelers as they ate their fill. The travelers, well, they then were interested in Sarah's whereabouts. And when Abraham told them that she was in the tent, they replied in the oddest way imaginable. They said, well, in due season, probably a little less than a year, when our paths cross again, your wife will have a son. The oddest way possible. You'll remember that in the first version of this story that I summarized earlier, it was Abraham who laughed when God said that Sarah would bear a child. And in this telling, it's Sarah who laughs. She overhears it. She laughs. We don't often hear stories in the Bible of people laughing. When we do, the imagery becomes so vivid, doesn't it? You can picture Sarah, like, tucked behind the tent entrance and chuckling to herself at the ridiculous thought of having a child at her age, at Abraham's age. It was silly. It was as silly to her as it would be to us to consider such a thought today. And I also love that the traveler sensed her giggle. And when he called her out on it, She did as many of us would do. She denied it, straight out. Through surprise, albeit shifting eyes, I imagine, she denied her laughter like, what, who, me? No, 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 I didn't laugh. No, 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 I didn't laugh. Of course I wouldn't laugh. Not, no, that's impolite. No, I did not. Don't be silly. You must have heard someone else laugh, or maybe it was the wind, or maybe one of your companions laughed. It definitely wasn't me. And I love that the travelers just don't buy it. And they responded, yeah, you did. You definitely laughed. But the crux of the story, it hangs upon the statement that the traveler made before humorously catching Sarah in her denial. Just before she denied, she denied her laughter, the traveler posed the question, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? And the answer to this question is no. Nothing can be too wonderful for God, for God is good. God is love. God is the creating God at work in the world from the beginning and throughout all of time. God is the God that is healing all that is broken. God is the God that is redeeming all that seems lost. God is the God reconciling all that seems divided. No, nothing. Nothing is too wonderful for God. Nothing. But if we're honest, it's difficult for us humans to believe it, much less receive God's wonderful blessings. There was a difference There was a difference in Abraham's behavior in the two stories of the pronouncement of the birth of Isaac. In the first, Abraham felt in control, like he needed to be in control. He so desired to be in compliance with the covenant and to receive God's favor that he tried to make it happen, tried to earn it. He would come up with a plan. He would figure it out. Look, he told the Lord, here's Ishmael. The nations can come from him. Look, I figured it out. But in the second telling... In the story for today, Abraham took a posture of openness, a posture of generous reception, a posture of hospitality. 
He didn't offer Ishmael. He didn't toil or come up with another plan. He simply asked if the travelers would not pass him by, but sit with him and receive a share of what he has to offer. Now, I do want to be clear about one thing. I do want to be clear that I am not saying that the fulfillment of God, of the promises of God, depend on our ability to be hospitable. This story is not an example of an if-then statement, like if I am hospitable, then God will bless me, or if I am hospitable, then God will fulfill God's promises. I'm not saying that, but what I am suggesting is that our experiences of the presence of God, our experiences of the fulfillment of God's promises, our experiences are different depending on our posture. In the reading that we heard from Ken, Jesus graciously accepted an invitation to come into Martha's home. He didn't need her to toil in the kitchen the whole time, passive-aggressively steaming over the nerve of her sister. We can all appreciate that, though. We've been there. But Jesus didn't need her to do that. He wanted Mary there, too. He wanted Martha to be there with Mary, too. And when she finally brought her complaint to him, he responded by bringing to her attention the gift of generously receiving another, of building relationship, of being present to the presence of God. What she was preparing in the kitchen, that was kind and gracious, very generous. But relationships are built in person not through kitchen doors, and showing hospitality doesn't only mean preparing a meal. It also means spending time with one another, being in the presence of one another. Church, both of our readings for this morning highlight for us that God desires for us to be open, that God desires for us to experience receiving the presence of God in our midst. Rather than seek to control our surroundings, rather than busy ourselves with the tasks that we assume would be helpful, we are created for and called into the practice of hospitality, into the practice of turning to God and to one another and asking the question, will you stay for a little while? We are created for and called into the practice of tuning into the presence, tuning into the presence of the ones that we are with. Throughout scripture, we find stories of God seeking to help us understand that we are created for hospitality, that we are oriented towards welcoming one another, whether we're meeting for the first time, like Abraham and the travelers, or someone with whom we've had a long relationship, like Jesus and Mary and Martha. For it it is in welcoming one another that we welcome the very presence of God. And in doing so, in showing hospitality, we might be surprised. We might be surprised to find comfort and joy, nourishment, healing. We might be surprised to find a widening of our view of the God-created world around us, of the experience of other people, 
of a vision of what God might see as possible. Indeed, when we welcome one another, we open ourselves to the very presence of God. Which leads me to wonder, if nothing is too wonderful for God, what might we glimpse together? Amen.